You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Job chapter 38, 1 through 7. And uh, I encourage you to find something to turn to, uh, electronic Bible or actual Bible. Find Job 38. (laughs) Well, the book of Job is located in the Old Testament. Job, get it? Pronounced it wrong, it's funny. So turn to the book of Job, uh, chapter 38, verses 1 through 7. And this passage that I'm about to read is not a nice passage. It's not a lovey-dovey passage. This passage kind of makes you sit back and think about the power of God. And if anyone else, uh, these are the words of God, if anyone else was saying these things, you'd be like, rude? This is so, like, why would you be so rude? But, it, but you realize that it's God himself saying these words, and, and so he can say what he wants because he's God, right? Right, so find the passage. We are in the habit of not um, putting it up here to kind of force you to uh, find it in your own Bibles or uh, electronic Bibles on your phones or whatever you have um, to get you used to turning it to the passages uh, on your own. So Job 38, 1 says this, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this who obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Everybody say, yikes. It is, it's a weight, like God is saying, who's bothering me, basically? Um, Brace yourself like a man, verse 3. I will question you, you shall answer me. Verse 4 says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand, who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? So God's like, who are you to, to, to question me? Who are you to even appear before me? God, God is sovereign. He is big. He is awesome. He is holy. He is totally other. Um, verse 6, on what were its footing sets or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. So let's pray. God, we recognize that this passage is, is you speaking and it's, it's you speaking about your sovereignty and your awesomeness, how you are totally other, how you are uh, totally beyond this world and and totally infinite. And so God, we pray that we might know you. We pray humbly that we um, might come before you with this humble heart that that wants to know you this morning and that we don't in any way talk about you today as if you're not here inside of us, that, that you're not present in our lives. So God, we praise you. We love you, Jesus. And everybody screamed. Amen. Amen. So I want to tell you a story, actually a couple stories, um, about this week and, and this quote. So this quote is by uh, A.W. Tozer, a. Adam Wilson Tozer, uh, lived in the uh, early uh, 1900s and wasn't like a theological scholar, but then became one kind of self-taught theological scholar. And throughout his life, he was given two honorary doctorate degrees because of his self-taught biblical training and knowledge and the books he wrote. And he said this quote. Look at it. It's on the back of your, uh, your notes as well. If you have uh, these notes that we hand out, we always put a sweet quote of the day. And this is the sweet quote of the day. It says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing 
to us or about us, the most important thing about us. And so this week, I've been asking various ones of you uh, and various people that I meet or had coffee with, hey, what comes to mind when you think about God? Like, and they're like, well, what do you mean? Well, well, list some of the attributes. What, what do you think about when you think about God, his attributes? And um, asked a couple of people. I asked my wife. She said that God is creator, father, sustainer. Those are great words to describe God. I asked some uh, guys on staff with the tech department, uh, Adam, Josh, and uh, Christian. I asked them, we were having lunch, what do you guys think about? I'm going to talk about this on Sunday, just getting people's ideas of what you think about when you think about God. And they said, one of them said faithfulness, and the other two were like, yeah, that's what I was going to say, how God is faithful throughout the years, how he doesn't change, how his plans don't change, how he, he remains faithful through our lives. And I thought that was, that was a really cool response. Um, I was hanging out with Chris. Chris, wave to everybody real quick. Chris is just chilling back there. He's, he's in a wheelchair. We, me and Chris were hanging out on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what, we, we were arguing about when it was. Anyways, we were hanging out, um, the point being. And we were talking about the problem of evil, why good, bad things happen to good people. And Chris is in a wheelchair, and he, I've, I saw the footage of his accident when he was in high school and wrestling. And it just looked like any other wrestling tournament where they, the guy just fell wrong, and the guy fell on top of him. And, it, and he, he broke his neck that, that years ago. And if anyone has something to say about suffering and you know, why do bad things happen to good people, he would, he would, have, he would say, have something to say about that. Um, and, and so anyways, he, he said, God is good. I was like, wow, that, that was a cool response. Um, it, was, it was like, yeah, he is good. Um, yeah, amen to that. Um, later that in the week, I ha- was having coffee with a guy and um, he said something that, that really blew me away as well. Just like, wow, that... What you do think about God is, is very different for different people, and it does say something about you. And it may be, uh, according to this quote, the most important thing about you. Um, but I was, I was having coffee with a guy who he calls himself an avowed uh, homosexual Christian. And so he, uh, he, he said he, he struggles with homosexuality, and he struggles with, with thoughts and lust and, and all these things. And he says that the world society, Christian society, the church, whatever, they all point at him and say, your sin is, is the worst sin. Which, which in, in my mind, it's like, well, if, if a guy is going out and, and sleeping with a bunch of girls, um, well, isn't that a sin too, a sexual sin? And, and who, who am I to say that that one's better than that one and that one's worse than that one? But anyways, so I asked him, I, I said, by this point in the, um, in the week, I kind of knew that I was going to um, maybe tell you all, the Mill Sunday School, and so I asked him for permission to, to say what he said as, as far as his thought when, when it came to what he thought about God. And he said something that surprised me, because I, I would think like, that he has maybe taken on some of these things that people point at him and say, your sin is the worst sin. And so maybe he's taken on this idea that God hates him or is mad at him or uh, wants him to, you know, just, I don't know. Um, but he said, God is gracious. And that took me by surprise. And he said, well, he's caught this idea that even though, you know, so many people point at him and say, your sin is worse than everybody else's sin, he has caught this idea that actually we're all sinners and God provides grace for people. And so, so I thought that was really cool. Um, that, that he said that, that God is gracious, is his thought about God. Um, later in the week, um, just this past week, I asked, I didn't really ask the question point blank, but I'll, I'll tell you the story behind it. I want to keep confidentiality, so I won't even tell you if this person is a, is a guy or a girl, but they, they tried to commit suicide this week, and, and so I was, I was notified, and uh, we, some of us went to the hospital 
to, to meet with this person. And, and in the, he said, uh, she said, he said, in the midst of um, trying and thinking about um, the suicide and, and, and contemplating and being in, right there in the moment, the, in the attempt, um, they said that they, had, they, they felt that God had given up on them and then so they were going to give up on God. And so it just brings power to this, this statement that what you think about God is, is maybe the most important thing about us. And so this lesson today, the Mill Sunday School, we are going to talk about the attributes of God, who God is. And, um, and so that's, that's what we're going to do today. Um, so we kind of started with like a pretty heavy way. But um, if you're here in the Mill Sunday School, welcome. If, you, uh, if this is your first time to the Mill Sunday School, we are kind of a branch of the Mill, and the Mill around New Life is our college and 20-somethings ministry. And so, um, so yeah, welcome. There's cards on your table if you're new. They look like that. You could fill one out, and you could give us uh, as much or a little information as you want. I'll send you an email. Uh, there's, a, there's a box at the bottom that says a call will be nice. I call everyone that, that checks the box just to chat, tell you more about the Mill, help you get connected if, if that's what you're interested in, if you're new here. So that's that. And as far as announcements go, one big one is this. Anybody going? Millflower Retreat? Yes. Okay. Me too. Um, So look at the dates, October 26, 27, uh, 28. Um, It's not uh, this coming weekend, but it's the weekend after. So two weeks. And we would love it if you all came. We go up into the mountains. We're going to go to near... Buena Vista to this Young Life camp. They just do a great job with their camps. It's Frontier Ranch. If you've ever been there, you know how awesome it is. And we spend the weekend hanging out together. We ride up on buses together. We listen to sermons. We do worship, serious stuff, but then we have a ton of fun. We eat good food. We play games and craziness. And um, there will be no meal on that Friday night. There will be no Sunday school on the 28th. In fact, I'm teaching at the Fall Retreat on Sunday morning. And so we'll have like a makeshift Sunday school, but we're, I'm, I'm actually going to continue with the theme of the weekend uh, and, and talk about this aspect of communion. So we won't be continuing um, what we're talking about all these months. But anyways, that's Fall Retreat. You should come. So what we are talking about is we're, we're going through this, if you have these on your table, we're going through the entire system of systematic theology. We're taking nine months and I've heard nothing but good things. At first I was like, I, I know they can handle it, but I, I wonder if People are just going to be like, dude, that's a nine-month uh, thing. I don't know that I want to commit to that. I can't even commit to uh, anything. And so nine months of, of systematic theology is, this sounds horrible. And, and I've heard nothing but, yeah, this is actually cool. Uh, you're proud to be a nerd. And so, um, so last month we talked about, we kind of introduced why systematic theology. And so this order of these nine things, September through May, is the system of systematic theology. So we are in this month of October talking about God, theology, the study of God himself. And we, we opened up this month, um, or maybe it was in la- even last month, we talked about these ideas of open-handed versus closed-handed issues. And uh, we talked about how um, there's a closed-handed issues that say um, that oh, the things that are foundational, that we have to believe in, the things that um, as a Christian are fundamental, doctrine things, creedal, Nicene Creed things, uh, the Trinity, uh, Jesus is Lord, um, salvation by him, uh, the Bible is important, uh, the, um, I already said the Trinity, things that are foundational to our beliefs. And maybe in another hand, we hold issues that are open-handed issues, methodology, th- methodology things, things that uh, we within Christianity have debates about, like, oh, I think it's more like this, oh, I think it's more like this. At the end of the day, we all hold the whole 
hold the closed-handed issues in our hand, but there's some open-ended, uh, open-handed issues up for grabs. And so, um, what are the closed-handed issues concerning God? Well, one of them would be his attributes. So last week we talked about the Trinity. Uh, next week we're going to talk about transcendence and eminence as a part of the attributes of God. But this week, the closed-handed issue is that God uh, has these attributes. And I'm going to break it down to God's goodness and greatness later on. Um, <clears throat> but these are the things that God is. And so they're, they're not potentially things he does or uh, roles he plays, but things that God actually is. And so, are you ready for your first discussion question? Listen to all the directions before you start discussing, because uh, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll paint a, a little better picture for you to um, c- conversate. Converse? Converse, sorry, with the people around you. But as a table, maybe go around and answer the question that I've been asking throughout the week. Uh, What comes to mind when you think about God? Specifically, attributes. And so it's this that I want to explain. So not the things he does, not the roles he plays, like he he creates, he guides, he preserves, um, or he he, he plays the role of creating or uh, preserving uh, but th- those aren't, like, without those things he does, then is, is he, uh, I don't know. So, so, say, so say the things that he is. Like, without doing anything, he just is. Like, but before God created anything, he, he was still uh, attributes. And so list a few. Um, if, if hopefully that, that pinpoints it down a little bit more rather than making it more confusing. I guess we'll see. So converse, talk about that as a table. List the attribute that comes to your mind when you think about God. Ready, Gasset, go. And don't forget to meet the people at your table too if you don't know them. All right, yell, maybe yell some of them out like a one word attribute of God this table. He exists. That's great. Yeah. With this table, you guys. Love. God is love. He's the Prince of Peace. What we got over here? Anything? What'd you guys say? Healer. Sovereign. Powerful. Steadfast. Holy, I heard. Good. Righteous. What else? Strategic. I like that one. It's like, that, that sounds strategic. What'd you guys say? All in all? Aaron Meadows, what'd you guys say? Ho- holy, just, good. Wagner, what'd you say? <laughs> just calling on people. <laughs> They're staff members. I could call on them. I, I wouldn't do that to any of you. <laughs> Eternal, good. Yeah. So all these words. So, so how do we, so, so they were just all listed. Maybe you said a bunch at your table. How do we organize these attributes? If you've been coming to the Mill Sunday School and you know that we're talking about systematic theology, you would expect that things would be somewhat systemized. Not that we could put God in a box and say, oh, we got them all figured out. We got the system for God. No, 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 no. We come to study God and we organize it in a such a way that brings help. It brings simplicity. It brings us into uh, a correct and right understanding of um, how we should understand who God is. And so uh, we list, listed a whole bunch of attributes, awesome attributes of who God is. How do we organize them? Well, on your notes, um, if you're looking at your notes, um, and I, I would love it if you took, uh, took notes and, and wrote things down. Even if you uh, don't have a way, if, even if you don't save these notes, I think there's, for me at least, there's something about writing it down that, that adds it to my memory and my learning. It's like a, it's like a, 
uh, kinesthetic way of learning. Anyways, so the attributes of God, there's God's greatness and God's goodness. And we're going to list four for each. And you might ask, well, how could, why would you just list four each? That's just eight attributes. I think we just went around and said more than eight. So how are you going to fit all that into these uh, four for each one? And, and to that I would say, well, we're trying to simplify. And so if, if you say, well, God is nice and God is good uh, and God is friendly. Well, all those words, couldn't you just say God is love and that would encompass those things? And so that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to simplify and make this more of a system of understanding um, who God is. But I, I want to I break it down into God's greatness and God's goodness. If you're into theological terms, sometimes these are referred to God's natural attributes or God's moral attributes. And so let's start with the first one, that God is great. And we're going to list four things about God's greatness. And then, and then we're going to, after that, we'll list four things about God's goodness. So we're ready to begin. Are you ready? Okay, me too. So the first one is his infiniteness. He is infinite. He is infinite. And this is the one, so some of you um, might be wondering, well, what would you say, Joe? What's your attribute that comes to your mind when you think about God? And this is the one. Um, I was was thinking about how um, as a kid, um, I, I grew up in church. I grew up a Catholic kid, and in Catholic church, you do the sign of the cross a lot uh, at church. And for I thought God wasn't as infinite as I thought He was. I thought He was like literally in the sky, looking down at me. And so, and so I had this idea that like if I was if I was like inside a room, then maybe He couldn't see me. Um, kind of a weird thought, but I was a weird kid. And if I was outside, then He could see me. Um, but he didn't know my thoughts. He wasn't infinite. And so I just remember this as a kid. It's a weird little story about a weird little kid. But um, uh, I would, as a little kid, you get into cussing. And so I was, I was cussing as a kid. But I knew that God could see me if I was outside. And so I'd cuss and be like, oh, I cussed. And so I'd do the sign of the cross. Like, what? So I'd be like, oh, shoot. But I wouldn't say shoot. I'd say the other S word. And then, and then I'd cross myself. And I'd go, what is this little kid doing? That's so weird. Um, <laughs> Anyways, um, so that was, that was my thought about God, that he wasn't infinite. And then later in life, I would say there was this point in which I chose God and had a relationship with God. For me, that was in high school. And what really opened up to me was God's infiniteness. That, that, and the, that idea still comes to the forefront of my mind when I think about God, how big he is, how huge he is, how he knows everything, how he's um, self-existent and eternal and has no beginning, no end, how awesome and great and, and powerful he is, and so his infiniteness. In fact, this, this this week, as I was thinking about this message, I was laying in bed one of the mornings, like half asleep, half awake, thinking and, and praying to God, like, God, what do you want me to tell the Mill Sunday School about your attributes? And I just got this idea. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it was a vision or this huge spiritual thing, but I would just say an idea. And I think that's um, just on a personal note. I think that's, that God always has spoken to me in such a way that afterwards I'm kind of like, I, I think that was you. I hope that was you. I pray that was you. Um, I, I talk about it in those terms. So anyways, I just, I had this idea of, of like a camera zooming out on, on like the world and, and just this idea of how big the world is, but then how big God must be, um, how infinite God must be. And so I share that as not like a prophetic or a vision or anything that um, doesn't go against scripture because God is infinite. And so that's the thought that came to my mind. Um, 
when I think about God, which goes with something one of you or a group of you asked. So I think it's almost a month ago we handed out cards and I said, ask any theological question you want and we will get to them eventually when we go through all nine of these systematic theological topics. And the, the one question that we had that was, would fall into theology was this one. And the name of the team was Theologians Maximus. Is there, are they here to anybody from that team still here? No? Okay, anyways, they're, 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 they were a good team. Um, but they said, how do Christians explain God's origins? And we would say as Christians, well, he's infinite. He's, he's not finite. He, he does not have a beginning. He will not have an end. He is the unmoved mover to steal Aristotle's ideas. He is the uncaused causer. He is the uncreated creator. We, we don't say that God was, was born out of like the Titans wrestling around or then God came out of a turtle or something. No, God has always been and will always be. The God of the Bible is infinite. He has no beginning. And so that's what we would say about the, the explanations. We'd, well, we'd say, well, we can't really wrap our mind around not having a beginning, but we can talk about his infiniteness. And that, that goes right along with... Um, something this guy said, Anselm of Canterbury, and he said that uh, God is so awesome and so big that he, he actually came up with this proof for the existence of God. And I have it up here. It's only like three, two-ish paragraphs. Um, and he, he came up with this ontological proof for the existence of God. Has anybody ever heard of that before? Anybody? Oh, a couple people. Sweet. So it's this, so there's various proofs for the existence of God. And one of them is the ontological or the being of God proof. And I, I, it's, it's hard to get into. I mean, you could read the paragraph. It's, it's, uh, uh, we posted the link on Facebook or, um, after Sunday school, you can come up and, and get some of these. We had a fold them weird because I printed out on, um, the legal size page. I don't know why it does that. I don't know why I can't work a printer, but I can't. So anyways, so it's all folded up, all cute. But anyways, um, the proof uh, of the existence of God is that if uh, the, the, a God of being is more powerful uh, than a God who isn't in being. And so therefore, if you have this thought of the most uh, awesome being, um, well, then what is more awesome, the thought or the being? And of course, the being is more awesome. And so God exists. The, 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 the argument is, is much more complicated than that, yet just a couple paragraphs. So I encourage you to read it and, and comment on the, the Facebook post if you wanted to get into conversation about that. So anyways, God is infinite. Um, and some other things that would go into this category, how many of you said some of the omnis? Do you know what I'm talking about? The omnis? Omnipresent, meaning he's all, all present. Uh, omnipotent, meaning all powerful. Uh, omniscient, meaning all-knowing. Um, and then maybe there's another one that does, it's not an omni, but it's immensity, that God is immeasurable um, with anything as far as distance, as far as time. Like we could say, God is outside of time. How, how infinite is that? How awesome is that? He is self-existent. And so that's God's uh, infinite quality about his greatness. So that's number one. If you're taking notes, I left it blank so you could fill it in with the word infinite under his greatness. So that's number one. Number two, I put uh, constant that God does not change. Uh, Hebrews 6, 17 says, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purposes very clear to the hearers of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. So the unchanging nature of who he is and, and what he does. He is faithful. I think someone said that uh, when they were talking, listing attributes of God, that God is faithful, that he does not change. He's not one thing today and another thing tomorrow. Uh, the theological term is immutability of God, that he, this bigger idea that his nature does not change. 
And so a cool, maybe after Sunday school lunch question might be, uh, does God change his mind? Anyone ever thought of that debate? Anyone ever entered into that debate? It's kind of a nerd debate. Um, because some people would say, no, he doesn't change his mind because that is a part of who he is. And so he would never change his mind um, because he's God and he doesn't change. And then other people would say, well, it does seem like in Scripture where God says he's going to do something like destroy Nineveh, 40 more days, and I will destroy Nineveh. That's what God told Jonah to tell to Nineveh. And then Nineveh, what do they do? They repent. They put on sackcloth. They make the animals wear sackcloth. Um, And they're so sorry. They apologize to God. And then what does God do? At the end of the 40 days, does he destroy them? No, he has mercy. He has compassion. He relents. He, and some people would say he changes his mind. Other people would say, no, that's not really changing his mind. That was more of him just showing a a personality, an anthropomorphic uh, reality of God's existence and his personality here on earth so that we can understand a perception of him that we wouldn't otherwise. Sounds complicated, right? So that's why it's your lunch, Sunday school lunch, after lunch discussion or during lunch dessert. Anyways, coffee discussion. (gasps) Moving right along. So God is infinite, God is constant, and God is spirit. And and what we say about that is that um, he, uh, uh, we'd say he's infinite, he has no beginning, he wasn't um, like, um, I don't know, I feel like like last week we were kind of picking on the Mormons, and I did not mean to ever pick on another religion, the LDS faith, uh, good people, a great religion. Um, but, but we would say as Christian Protestant evangelicals that there's some pretty clear differences between what we believe in and, and what uh, an LDS person would believe. And they say that God was once a human being. And so, so their God isn't like a spirit. Their God is more a human form. And they take that very seriously, that God was born on another planet, um, lived his life, had some kids, Satan and Jesus, and then um, became a God. And so if you're a good uh, LDS, uh, faithful member of the church, you will become God of your own planet. Um, uh, uh, Brigham Young put it this way, um, they will receive crowns, dominions, and they will be prepared to frame earths like our own, uh, and, and the people in them is the same manner, basically, that, that you will be, like, that we worship God now, well, you will get to become a God of your own world. Um, and so we, as, as, as Protestant evangelical Christians, right, would step back and say, well, whatever the LDS faith is, it's different. It's a different religion than our religion. And so if they, if they want to call themselves Christians because they follow Jesus, who's in the Bible, well, okay, but let's, let's draw a line and say it's still a totally different religion based upon the whole, the whole idea that God is spirit. We would say he's spirit. They would say, no, he's the form of a human being, uh, or at least once was, and then, and then maybe kind of still is in some way. So anyways, um, so God is spirit. He's not um, a, a form of, of anything in particular. Um, and so when we talk about things like God's right hand or the eyes of God or God sits on his throne, those, because um, you're like, really? God needs to sit down? Is he tired? Uh, what's, uh, how does that work? Um, how big is the throne? Well, those are figurative statements. Those would be called anthropomorphisms. Fun word to say, shall we? 
anthropomorphisms. It's a big word. And it means, uh, I'm sure you've heard the word before if you are uh, into uh, literature and stuff or cartoon drawings or just any time you take human attributes and put them onto something that is not human. And so we would, we would talk about the eyes of God, but does God need eyes? No, he's, a, he's spirit. He's not, he doesn't have a body. Um, we would talk about the, the, how God sits on his throne. And what we're really saying is he's ruling over all. He doesn't actually have to sit, does he? And is there an actual physical throne? Some, no, no, not like that. It's, those would be anthropomorphisms. And we do it all the time. We do it even as very young kids. We think about, like, this is my favorite uh, show. Anybody else like DuckTales back in the day? Do ducks wear clothes? Do ducks wear glasses? Do ducks have money? Do ducks talk? Do ducks uh, have fingers? No. But they, these are all anthropomorphisms of, uh, of these characters so that we can understand um, uh, and make stories about them. So you get it, right? And so when we do this about God, we are, we are putting upon him anthropomorphisms. Another after Sunday school lunch conversation for you might be this. Um, this might hold a lot of importance for some of you, especially maybe girls, because we often talk about God as in he, him, his, right? But if God is truly spirit, then is the sex of God an anthropomorphism? Um, like, what is it about the, the he uh, that, that makes someone he or she? And I think, obviously, you could giggle and be like, I know what the difference is, um, <laughs> But let's, come on, just don't be immature. You know, we're trying to be more mature than that. But if God is spirit, then maybe there's some attributes, some things that we would say, oh, that's a feminine attribute, a motherly attribute, and maybe God has some of those. Or maybe there's some uh, uh, male fatherly attributes, and God has some of those. And then it's like, well, well, God did come to this earth in the form of Jesus, who was a man. But then we talk about the spirit. In some languages, the word for spirit is a feminine. We in the English language don't have feminine, neuter, or masculine words. But, but this idea, so it's just, I'm just kind of throwing some ideas at you right now for your after Sunday school lunch conversation about, okay, is, you know, does, does God have feminine attributes? Things that we would say, oh, that's, that's a motherly attribute. Does God have some of those? Um, it would be a fun conversation, don't you think? The bigger point is that God is spirit, and, and to, to, against that, we would say, um, okay, if he's just spirit, then is he like the force? Like, use the force, Luke, when he's like driving that thing and shooting up the Death Star. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Star Wars fans? Yeah, all right, cool. Anyways, so is God, so if he's just spirit, is, is God just the force? And we'd say, no, he's not just a force. And so number four is life, that God is personable that God is, has life. And so I, I think in the Old Testament, when people worship um, these things, they like make something out of gold and worship it. God gets so mad because it's like our God has life. And these things, these, these golden idols, they have no life. They're created things. Why not worship the creator rather than the created thing? And so um, our God has life. He gives his name to Moses when, when Moses meets him at the burning bush and says, uh, who am I to say, your, what am I say your name is when the Israelites ask? And, and the Lord responds with, I am, or in Hebrew, Yahweh. And it's just, I am that I am, Yahweh, Yahweh. And it, it's this, he gives his name, it's like, I am, I am being. I, I, this idea of giving your name is, is much more 
than a, than a force. And I think we can wrap our minds around the balance of these two things, that God is spirit, not like a human body, um, but at the same time, he's not the force, he does have life. And so we're beginning to see the, um, the implications of, of um, ordering these things in such a way that we are God's greatness attributes and his goodness attributes. And this, by the way, to pause here, because we're, we're about to talk about the goodness attributes, this isn't the only way to, to list God's attributes. Um, in fact, A.W. Tozer, the guy who I've been quoting, wrote two books. I borrowed these from Aaron Wagner, and there, there's lots of markings in them, so I guess he read them. So that's pretty cool. Good job, Aaron. Um, uh, he lists them, so Attributes of God, Volume 1 and Volume 2. He, uh, uh, A.W. Tozer lists them. So it's 10 in this book, 10 in this book, 20 attributes of God's God's self-existence, God's transcendence, his eternalness, his omnipotence, his immutability, his omniscience, uh, his wisdom, sovereignty, faithfulness, love, grace, mercy, justice, goodness, immensity, infinitude, omnipresence, Imminence, holiness, and perfection. I think that's all 20 there. So he just lists them out. Um, and, and he has 20 of them. We are only listing uh, four for each, goodness and greatness. So we're only listing eight. So there is different ways just to kind of pause here and step back as to how we're listening them, listing them here in the Mill Sunday School. Um, but it's a pretty classic way to say that God is great and he is good and then to subcategorize them into that way. Another way of listing them is this book. Uh, Kim White gave me this this book, and, and it's really marked up, so she, she must have read it too. So there's a lot of readers here in the Mill Sunday School. Are you a reader? Yeah, 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 amen for reading. Anyways, so Kim gave me this book, and this is, uh, it's called Lord, I, I Want to Know You uh, by Kay Author, and she's the author, so that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> right? Anyways, I'll explain it later. Um, so Kay Author, the author of the book, lists all the names of God lists, um, let's see, she lists uh, Creator, uh, Jehovah Jireh, uh, I am that I am, these names for God and then how to pronounce them and then something about each one. And the names of God would obviously say something about who God is, his attributes, uh, by listing the names that he gives um, throughout the context of the Bible and the, the names that we put on him, Lord, Master, um, etc., God, uh, Elohim, etc. So, so that would be another way to do it, um, to, to list the names of God and, and kind of coordinate with um, his, his goodness and his greatness. But, but here we are in the Mill Sunday School trying to simplify things trying to systemize things. Um, hopefully, I would never say that we're trying to oversimplify things and say, oh, we got it all figured out. Here's God in a box. Uh, we got him in our back pocket. He's our homeboy. We got him all figured out. No, that, that we can never do that. Um, and so let's move on. Uh, so th- that was God's greatness, infinite, constant, spirit, and life. Um, God's goodness. So there's going to be four of these as well. And these are his moral attributes. These have something to say about his character. And the first one I'm going to list is that he is righteous. I think someone said this when we were listing the attributes of God um, at your tables, um, that he is right. He is true. He, everything he does is righteous and right because he is God and he makes the rules. And I, sometimes I think about it like this. It might be a weird way to think about it. Um, but if God did something unrighteous, well, then the very definition of what is righteous would change according to what he did because he is the rule maker. He is God. He is infinite. He is the creator, the sustainer, the preserver of all things. And so he alone decides what is right. He knows everything. And so he, by definition, is righteous. Um, the next one, number two, is holy. 
God is holy. There's a lot of things that we could say about this. Someone mentioned this one as um, their, their attribute that they thought about when they think about God. We could talk about how God is one, like an integer, and that in some way means uh, we could talk about those things as a representation of holiness, that God isn't one way one day and another way another day, um, that God isn't, that he's the same. He's uh, an integer. If you've ever heard the word integrity explained and, and what that means, maybe the etymology of the word integrity would say, oh, an integer is a whole number, like one or two, not 1.5. It's in between one and two. And so God is the same all the time. He is holy. He is an integer. He is one. Um, and so he's not this this God that is that is one way at Sunday school and then is another way on the party weekends and then is another way with their family and then is another way with their friends and they act differently at different times. No, that's, that's what we silly people do. Um, God is fully the same in, in, in all things and he is holy, um, he is other, he is one. Um, and so I think I've said enough about his holiness. So he's righteous, he's holy, and he's just. And this one um, is sometimes the one that that we as happy Americans don't like to talk about um, until something bad happens. And then it's like, we demand justice. But, but until then, it's like, oh, God's, God has um, hatred towards unrighteousness. God um, isn't your homeboy. God isn't, uh, you, don't, you don't have God all figured out. You don't have him in your back pocket. You're not, um, th- these, these things are like, no, God is just. He is wrathful against sin and unrighteousness and things that are not his way. Um, and so um, the, 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 I think the, the justice kind of comes through with the very first passage we read at the Mill Sunday School here this morning that, that God says, you know, stand back. You know, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Where were you, you know, you who I've created, who are you to come to me and demand something? Um, uh, he is just. He um, carries through with righteousness in such a way that there's, there's punishment and retribution for evils and sins that's committed. So that's his justice, but it has to be paired up with his love that God is slow to anger, that he is merciful, that he is a good God, that he, um, alongside of justice, has grace. That's one of the words we used when we uh, were talking about different people describing the attributes of God. That alongside of his justice is the fact that he came and died for the sins, the mistakes that we have made because he loved us so much. And so it's this justice and balance with love at the same time. And so these are the four um, attributes of God that we've chosen for the Mill Sunday School to, to talk about. And I would say that, that other things, maybe the, some of the things that you said, would somehow fall into one of these either goodness or greatness attributes. And so I want to put it to work a little bit and show you a video clip because you like video clips, right? Yeah, I love video clips. And so this movie is um, from nine years ago. I'm going to say the name of the movie, and you're like, man, I just saw that yesterday. or so. That's what you'll feel. But, um, and when it came out, there was a lot of Christians that said, man, don't go see that movie. They portray God in a bad way. The, the, they have an actor displaying God, and it's heretical. And there's, there's plenty about this movie that is completely heretical. But I want to ask the question, show this clip, and say there's, there's plenty that they have wrong. You know, it's a Hollywood. Um, artistic adventure at, at someone meeting God, and of course they're they're gonna get a lot of things wrong. But I want to ask the question for discussion. So as you're watching, maybe jot down some things. What do they get right? 
Do you see the omnipotence of God? Do you see his infiniteness here? Do you see his goodness? Do you see the Trinity here? Do you see um, any, any part of his goodness or greatness? Do you see some of those things? What did they get right? And so the clip is from Bruce Almighty. Yeah! So you saw that film a long time ago? Yeah, that film was uh, nine years old now. It came out in um, 2003. So um, it was probably like when you were in middle school or when you were a baby or something. So anyways, anyway, let's just watch the clip. What did they get right? What did they get right? Um, we have a few minutes. Maybe I'll come out with a mic. Uh, or maybe you could just yell things out. What did they get right? He's all-knowing, omniscient. Alpha and Omega. He has a sense of humor. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. But then he, at the end he does, you see that side of uh, the God, a.k.a. Morgan Freeman, the actor who plays. Um, and so he gets, he's like, you've been doing a lot of complaining about me. And, and it gets like, don't hurt me. And he's like, well, he does have the power to hurt us. And, and anyways, didn't mean get all deep on you real quick. But um, did anyone catch the Trinity reference? Did you catch that? The janitor, the electrician, and uh, the, the boss. Killer Christmas party, it must be. Um, what else? Anything? All powerful? He is personal. Yeah. He can't tell a lie. He's truthful. What else? Anything? He knows everything. He's omniscient, all powerful, uh, can travel outside of time. Like, um, the idea that he was downstairs, then he was upstairs. You could talk about something about the light, like he shines the light and says, uh, most people are, you know, have a trouble seeing the light. They're, they're blind. They see this world. They live in the dark or whatever the line was. Uh, anything else? Limitless? Good. Yeah, he, did, like, he makes the guy's hand, like Bruce Almighty's hand, do the thing. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> Um, and I thought it was cool. I don't. I got this. I, like when he was like at the at the very beginning, he says, "Do you want me to even those up for you?" Because one leg was wet. Because the scene before he fell in a puddle. Um, but he was he was he were probably referring to the idea that he could make the other one dry because he has all powerfulness. And then he says, "Can I have a hand here?" Which this idea of God desires us to work with Him and and be a part of His ways. Um, And and so I just thought that was kind of cool. So anyways, hopefully you're not totally offended and that we showed a secular video um, in the Mel Sunday School, but obviously the purpose was to say, put these ideas into practice and so you can see them in the scene. Which brings us to this kind of last point of uh, the implications of... um, all of these things, and so I'll re-put it up here, this, this greatness of God, the goodness of God, and what I never want to do is to talk about God, A, as if he's not here with us, and so we'll pray to him in a minute, and to B, um, to say all that we're doing in the Mill Sunday School by talking about all these things. I mean, we're going through a lot of topics in nine months. We are, um, we are doing a lot here. This, this is something that you probably wouldn't get outside of a Bible school at a college level, um, and so what I never want this to feel like is, oh, we're just, we're just saying the right answers so that we can check the box and make sure we say the right thing. Uh, or another way to put it, we're not just heresy hunting in here at the Mill Sunday School and saying, oh, we believe God is this, this, and this, and we got it all figured out. And if you say something different, then you're a heretic, and that's all we're doing here. And, and we'd say, no, we're, we're doing something so much more that the implications of who God is 
that he is great and that he is good. And we say that all the time, um, maybe sometimes without thinking about it. Like, yeah, God's great. God's good. Amen. Yeah, amen. But give it some thought. I remember um, in a class one time, the, the teacher was like, you know, give us a word today. You know, some, someone start us off with a word. It was a Christian class, obviously. And, and there was kind of a long pause. And someone said, God is good. And, and I, I thought it was just like, yeah, that's, that's great. You know, like, you know, way to put something amazing out there. And, but the teacher stopped and paused and took it very seriously and said, yeah, let's contemplate how good he is and despite situations. Um, and so I just remember that as being like, let's not just say God is great and God is good without really contemplating his infiniteness and his constancy, his spirit and his life. And when it comes to his goodness, how righteous and holy and just and loving he is, and that he is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as we talked about the Trinity last week, and how important these things are for us to understand. And this uh, painting, I just thought I found this um, throughout the week, um, painting, so it's the Renaissance painting of God the Father, and it's just someone's representation of, of a loving great father and there's there's attributes here in this painting that you can see and by no means is can god ever be represented by a painting or an idol or an icon um but sometimes it's helpful to to watch a silly video and contemplate well how much greater is god than the actor uh being played by uh morgan freeman how much greater is god and how much he can do and how good god is and how that goes along with his justice and the things that we believe about god kind of going back to the beginning maybe be, you know, the thoughts that we have about God may be the, one of the most important things and not the most important thing um, that is about you. So it's with that, let's close in prayer this morning. So God, we, we do come before you humbly and, and we say that you are good. God, and we say that you are great. And, and after contemplating that and thinking through those things, we don't want to take that lightly, God. We want to come before you humbly and we know that you're here. We know that you're inside of us. We know that you are both good and both great at the same time. So we praise you. God, we leave here just in a new awareness of who you are. So we love you and we praise you. And everybody said, amen. All right, everybody. You're dismissed. I think uh, Courtney's out there if you want to talk about fall retreat and registering. But uh, we will see you next week for more about theology. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.